Welcome to season two of the One and Done podcast, where we are dedicated to making young people successful in business early in life. We're recording today from the Rollo Insurance Studio in College Station, Texas. Let's get it started. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the One and Done podcast. Uh, after a, a long Thanksgiving weekend, had a lot of good food, a lot of good nap time, and some good college football back in the studio today, Rollo Insurance, with uh, my man, Mark French. Mark, how you doing? Good, brother. Good to see you. Absolutely. Good to see you, too. So, Mark French, uh, we, we go way back uh, to our time at Texas A&M. He is a former uh, basketball player on the men's basketball team. He is also an incoming financial advisor now. Uh, and I wanted to connect with Mark. We connected a, a couple weeks back on LinkedIn, and I just said, Mark, I would love to have you on the show because Mark is he's in that transition period, right, between college and a full-time career. Uh, he's actually taking his last series test here in a couple weeks, like a good Christmas present for him whenever he passes that thing. Um, and so I want to talk with him. He's already made that decision on what his career is going to be. That's what this podcast is focused on is helping people make that decision. Uh, but I want to bring Mark in and kind of understand why he made the decision that he did. So, Mark, why don't you tell everybody about your journey kind of from high school on through college to where you're at today? In high school, I want to say I was a jock, but really life revolved around sports, right? And so football, basketball, baseball was kind of tailing off at the time, but track, I kind of did it all, right? And so high school kind of went on. Basketball kind of became the the clear choice of like, hey, you might could do something with this. And so during that that kind of phase of life, my family moved from Memphis, Tennessee to Dallas right before senior year. So grew up my whole life uh, back in Tennessee and then moved to Texas right before senior year. Um, was getting recruited by some smaller schools, looking at some Ivy League type options all that jazz and then had a really bad ankle injury uh, on the Nike YBL circuit. So I was playing with all the top guys, top teams in the country and really, really stunk because all these coaches are coming. And then you have this first game actually we're down in, I think it was Houston, uh, have an awful ankle injury. So I'm out all the way up until right before high school season uh, in Dallas. And so luckily it all ended up working out. Um, God had a plan through it all. And, Ended up getting offered a few walk-on opportunities and uh, accepted the one from from A and M, uh, and obviously that's that's where we met Jackson, and uh, it, it was a storybook ending there. And so that's really kind of my background. So while you're going to A and M, you know, I want to get back to the basketball thing here in a minute and kind of some of the characteristics that you learned from being an athlete. Um, what what did right. you what did you pick up though while you're A and M? What was your degree in? Uh, what were you looking for as far mm -hmm. as a career goes? Yeah, so. I started off, uh, I wanted to do finance. And then once sophomore year came along and uh, really started to get into the nitty gritty, man, it was just, honestly, it was too much with basketball. And so I switched to marketing, which was a little, it wasn't easier, but it was a little bit lighter load on the studying. And honestly, that was a really good decision because it wasn't, you know, those first two years I'm staying up at you know, the library till 1am and then getting up at six for workouts. And just, it's, you know, I, I really put all my eggs into basketball to some degree uh, by transitioning from finance to marketing. But at the end of the day, what I realized is sure specialized knowledge is what's going to get you paid in the real world, but everything is marketing. Everything is sales out there. And so I thought that was really cool. So I specialized in I think it was marketing with a specialization in professional selling. And so uh, that honestly fit perfect for down the road when I'm going into finance now, 
they can teach you all the finance stuff, but it, there's an art to being able to sell. And so that was, it was cool to see that kind of come together. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk a little bit more about your degree. I think they would have, I think they call that a, a business decision. <laughs> Whenever you need to, you need the GPA you want. So you, you get in a liberal arts degree. I was an English major, so I know all the, I know what that's all about. But um, talk a little bit more about this specialization in selling. I, I've never heard about that before. And I, I want to focus on that because I think one of the points of this podcast is for people, young people to listen and learn that while, while a degree is great and having a degree in your field is, is even better, you don't necessarily have to have a degree in the field that you plan on going into as a career. So I want to talk more about your story in that way. Yeah, no doubt. So Mays Business School at AM, they have under their marketing degree at the business school, they have these different distinctions, right? And I chose professional selling because it most correlated to, you know, probably what I was thinking about, whether that that's finance or whether that was going to be oil and gas or, or whatever. It, it translates to so many different areas. And so within that degree at Mays, they had these different categories. And in looking at it, it, it was just very clear to me that, you know, the professional selling route uh, was the best option. Absolutely. You know, one other thing that, that uh, we haven't mentioned yet is that your dad's a financial advisor. And I think, is he the reason that you decided to get into this business? Yeah, one of them for sure. I mean, my dad and I are super close and, uh, you know, it's, it's been really fun to watch him build out uh, what he has, you know, just seeing him, you know, some of my earliest memories, Jackson, are when I was a kid and we were living in Memphis, but he was working a lot in Dallas, Houston, and, you know, the, the plane tickets in Memphis were just exuberant, right? And so he'd wake up at like 4 a.m., drive to Little Rock, because Southwest would fly into Little Rock, but they weren't flying into Memphis at the time. And so my earliest memories, some of them are him waking me up and saying, hey, I got to go to Texas, I'll be back. And uh, And sure enough, he'd be back at practice that night or a game the next day. And so I think just from an early time period, seeing him build it and the drive and the, the focus on building something bigger than himself and providing for his family, it's just really cool to see. And, you know, as you grow older, that stuff becomes super important to you. And I know it is for me. And so, yeah, he, he is. And that played a big role. I mean, honestly, there were a bunch of different ways this could have gone. But I, I do think I made the right decision. Absolutely. You know, it's funny how we transition from those days where there's nothing more important than basketball, basketball practice and basketball games to to business and the things that, like you said, you know, I never saw myself going into insurance or into uh, this industry where my dad is. Um, always heard him talking about it. Always had the memories of him, you know, working hard and leaving early and stuff like that, too. And just just like, I don't understand anything they're talking about. But someday when you wake up and you have a family and you're, you're out of college, you're like, you know what? I understand why they do what they do. It's a great lifestyle. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think it's cool. You know, you pick up on the, the lingo from a young age, you're in the car, listening, overhearing some of those conversations. And, you know, honestly, it, it's cool when, you know, you can kind of reach back into the vault and be like, oh, that's what he was talking about. Oh, I understand now. Yep. That's what the market's doing, or that's what this this type of insurance this guy's trying to, to get. And so, uh, yeah, no, no doubt about it, Jackson. Absolutely. So obviously you're not a financial advisor yet, right? We want to make that distinction clear, but you are heading that way and you're working right now with a group of people who are financial advisors. Talk to right. our audience here and tell them a little bit about the financial advising industry. What does it look like on a day-to-day -day basis? What does it mean to be a financial advisor? Yeah. So like you said, I'm in the training pipeline right now. So there's a series of pretty much licenses, licenses is what they call them. 
so you're going to take these exams. And so I've taken two of them. You start with the SIE. It's kind of the intro one. Uh, and then you go to the Series 7. That's the, the big kahuna. That's what gets a lot of people. I actually failed it once before I passed it. It's, it's, a, it's a hard one. I'll tell you uh, this. Then, All the best salesmen in the world fail their test the first time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I hope that I, I, we're going to go with that. So uh, anyway, so got past the seven. Right now I'm trying to get the Series 66 done uh, before Christmas. And so I'm in that training pipeline at my company getting that done. So that is different from what the second part of your question was, is what are financial advisors doing day to day, right? And so uh the the real answer is it's something new every day right you, you're never doing the same thing over and over uh but to some extent you are right and so uh whether that's business development you're working on bringing in new clients whether that's um you know doing relationship management stuff that's tailoring to your current client you know looking at the market you know some people don't like for instance we run an in-house model that's been developed over the last 25 years some people sell off the shelf from their company. Some people, you know, would go and create their own type of model or, or whatever. And so some of that is what we call portfolio construction and architecture. So there's really, I mean, there's always something going on in that sphere. And, um, you know, it's cool to just be learning the different parts of it. Absolutely. Talk about the pros and cons of being a financial advisor or what yeah, you see no, them to be. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, the cons, right, are that you're never really off the clock and some of your job is dictated by external events. For instance, March 2020, right, with the market slashes in half, you got everybody calling you and, you know, you're going to work all day every day for the next six months, right? Uh, so sometimes that, that can be daunting to some people. There is, you know, there's ways to, you know, when people, if they want to have a work-life balance, you can, but I think just the idea of if you really want to do it well and you're doing it because you're, you want to serve the client and uh, you see the bigger picture of, you know, what success could mean for their family and, and for them, you want that, you know, you, you want to do a great job. And uh, that idea of, of stewardship is something we talk about a lot. It's a biblical term, but uh, you know, it's something that every day we get the chance to do is, is that stewardship. So in, in some ways, some people would view that as a con and, I view it as a pro, right? And some of the other pros to it, um, I think the flexibility. Um, I mean, shoot, I, I'm at home right now. I can work from anywhere, right? Uh, now, I love, I still love going in the office, but the flexibility and then, honestly, the unlimited upside. There is no cap on how much money you can make and no cap on how quickly or how slowly you can do it. And so I think that's, the inner competitor in me just loves that. I, I could not stand the idea of having that glass ceiling over me and, that, and not being allowed to break through it if I were, you know, hitting metrics or whatever in, in a different job. And so uh, I think that's what's super exciting when you start thinking long term is, hey, that's that there's unlimited upside. How can we build this to, to where we want to get to? Yeah. And I want to focus on that for just a minute. Um because, I mean, that that was one thing always about sports that had frustrated me, right, was there was always some type of limit to, to my ability, whether it was athletically or whether, whether it was opportunity-wise or whatever, right? You, there was always something that limits your opportunity or your ability. Uh, but in business, there's, there's not that, especially in sales, right, in insurance and wealth management. 
um, you have that unlimited upside. What is that mindset shift like for you? Because I know for me, it was it was awesome. That's why I put all my energy and effort and focus now into business like I used to basketball. Uh, what has that shift been like for you? I think it's energizing, right? I think you said the word best. Like, it's energizing. Like, holy cow. Like, it's right there in front of me. What you eat is what you – or what you kill is what you eat, and it's up to you. And so uh, I just love the idea of not having to be – it's kind of like uh, it gets the creative juices flowing too, right? Like, honestly, like I think the most successful people, they're, they're creative, right? And they're thinking of ways, how can I better this? How can I grow this? How can this be the largest insurance company in Texas, in the country, right? All that stuff. And when you think in terms of that, that's when it gets so exciting. And, and sometimes that is hard in sports, right? Like, we're not all playing at Duke or Kentucky, right? We all can't be Coach Cal or Izzo or uh, Roy Williams. Like, it's just there's only so many number of those spots. And uh, it, you know, takes some luck and, and being in the right position and around the right people to, to crack into that world. And so uh, I absolutely hear where you're coming from. But in, in our world now, it's up to us, right? We, exactly. we can create what we want. And uh, what did Napoleon Hill say in Think and Grow Rich? He said, whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. And so uh, if you can create it up, up in your imagination, you can do it. And so that's, what's exciting about, you know, wealth management or insurance or really any type of, of uh, sales or finance job that has unlimited upside. Absolutely. So let's talk about the negatives. Now, what would you, what would you say the negatives are uh, of your industry? Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously like, to some extent, your uh, success is tied to the market. Now, obviously, you can have, you know, you can hedge things and you can construct the portfolio architecture to tilt in different ways to minimize loss and stuff. But I think to some degree, success can be dependent sometimes on market conditions or in politics and all sorts of stuff. But uh, that would be a negative. Uh, the other negative is just your work hours sometimes, like run into the night which is fine by me especially at this stage in life i'm single and you know don't have a family yet so that's that's fine by me but you definitely can understand like yeah like if you're gonna have to be on the phone at you know 5 p.m as you're picking kids up from practice like sometimes that can be stressful but the other reality is you know you got to weigh that against all right well i get to construct how my schedule is you know throughout the day if i need to leave at lunch and go work out I can do it. We're not punching a time card here. And so, yeah, I think there's cons to it, but anything that is going to have all the benefits that we've previously talked about, it's going to have a few cons, right? Absolutely. But it's all in how you do it and all in how you, you structure it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one other question I have for you, I usually ask people about the tech wave in relation to their industry. But for you, since I obviously have a little bit of knowledge of what you do, um, working a little bit in that in that arena, Talk to me about technology as it relates to being a negative in your industry. Like I know things um, like Robinhood, right? That every every young person, whenever the market dipped, they thought they were an investor because they could jump on Robinhood, buy some stuff, and it would go back up. Right. And they could in that scenario. But talk to me about where apps like that with zero uh, percent, you know, fees and all of that, how that impacts yeah. you guys in y'all's industry. How does it? How do you have to separate yourself from the technology that's allowing people to do that? Yeah. So. I don't want this to come across in the wrong way, but we're only dealing with a certain type of client. I think we have like 65 to 70 corporate executive types, right? 
And so uh, we're really not looking to do business with the individual Robinhood investor, but uh, that's for us specifically. But the industry as a whole, I, I, I can answer that. I think it's tricky, right? Because I'm a fan of free markets. I'm a fan of, fan of letting the market take how things come out. And so with Robinhood, I'm, yeah, on, premise, on the premise of it, I'm a fan, right? But some people don't understand how that world works. And so, hey, if you hop on the GameStop, GameStop wave, you know you're going to have to pay taxes on that, right? Do you know what the capital gains tax is? Did you know that there's short-term and long-term capital gains on it, right? And this is the stuff where people, you know, maybe say closer to our age uh, as opposed to a six-year-old corporate executive. They don't understand that. Um, and frankly, probably a lot of middle-aged people too, like that are trying to do that individual investing. They don't understand that. And there's a danger to it to where if you're not careful, man, that thing can turn on you and you're left going, wait, where'd my money go? And so the, the zero fee trading platform, uh, the principle of it, I'm a fan of, uh, in practicality, sometimes I think you'd be better paying a fee for an advisor than uh, you know, having a more philosophical approach with some structure and uh, some philosophy behind it. Absolutely. I mean, I think it is, it's that way with every white collar industry, though. Um, every industry has we would call fees in all reality is just basically the cost of doing business the correct way, right? The cost of buying someone else's knowledge. Uh, that's what we share and what we transfer in our jobs every day. And so uh, in insurance is called a commission in y'all's business. It's a fee. E either way, all that it means is you're paying us because we have knowledge of that situation and we can handle the things like capital gains tax, or we can handle, you know, uninsured motorist coverage and explain that to you and make sure that you feel comfortable at the end of the day. Really what we're telling the customer is, are you willing to pay this to be comfortable to, to understand that someone else is watching out for you? Um, there's a reason in corporate, you know, in corporations that there's not a CEO, COO, CFO, all combined into one person most of the time, right? Now, small businesses there are, but as they grow, they all develop their individual responsibility. Why? Because right. the CEO can say, I don't have time to be the CFO. I need somebody who's only focused on the finances of the company and looking out for the best interest there. That's what we do with people's lives, right? We're the CFO or the chief protection officer of someone's life. That's what we do in our day-to-day -day life. Right. And we're just offering that service to someone at a fee in which the normal average person can buy into it. Right, no doubt. And with that, though, it, it comes back to that idea of stewardship. If they're going to pay that fee, that commission, I, I always want to over-deliver, right? And uh, and then it's up to us to, to be as good as we want them to be to be perceived as and uh you know with time and skill and with the right you know mentors and people around you you can be and uh that's what's exciting is, is getting to help people yeah and I, I like what you said there about having to you know having to over deliver because i think when you said earlier the most successful people are the creative ones i think that's uh the innovation that you have to have to be successful in our industries you have to say okay i get paid the same commission as the guy down the street what makes me better than them Right. What makes me and the services I offer better than them? And then you start building on that. You start creating new things. You start bringing new things into the industry. I think sometimes, like you said earlier, our generation, we'd rather hop on Robin Hood and think we're, you know, good at, at you know, trading stocks <laughs> when we don't really know what we're doing necessarily. And some ways we think we're going to change the industry. And in all reality, 
very few times our industries changed, right? Insurance and wealth management have been the same for a very long time, and they're going to be the same for a very long time in the future. If we think we're going to impact them so greatly, then we're, we're mistaken. But what we can do is we can impact what we deliver as part of that process. We can change the process. We're probably not going to change the entire industry. Uh, and I think that's if you look at it that way, you can develop some really good tactics and really good offerings for your customers that hopefully will make you successful in a quick way. Yeah, no doubt. It's about, right, it's about refining it. It's about smoothing off the edges to what you're doing. It's about just constantly getting better and getting better. That idea of improvement and constant just, you're, you're looking for those, what would Jimbo say? Looking for the, the, the crumbs, right? You're, you're, that's what you're after, right? That's how, that's how great things are built. It's just slowly over a long period of time smoothing off those edges and, you know, a little bit better or a little bit better, a little bit better. Then you look up and after a few years or a few decades, you're like, holy cow, look at what we built. And, uh, and that's the idea behind all that. Absolutely. So Mark, as we kind of come to a close, I want to end with, uh, you, right? What's going to make Mark successful as you pass that last test, you move into next year as a financial advisor, uh, hopefully what, what is going to make Mark successful? What have, what have you taken from your your high school, the things you were raised with, the things from your college, uh, whether it be education right. or sports, what are the characteristics that are going to make you successful? Yeah, I think first off, humility, right? Uh, the smartest people are the ones that know that they don't know anything. And just coming in with that, that mindset of humility and servanthood, I uh, just wanted to help others. I think when you help others achieve their goals, it, life's funny, man. Like w when you do that, things have a way of, of working out for you too. And so, uh, you must be a, you must be a, a normal listener to the one and done podcast. That's a, a Zig Ziglar quote we use all the time on here. Help others get what they it? want. So you get what you want. <laughs> exactly. And so it's true though, man, it's, it's, it's one of those facts of life. And so, yeah, just being humble and come coming with a servant's heart and obviously working my tail off. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited and, uh, excited to see what you do too, buddy. I'm, Super proud of everything you've built and accomplished and can't wait to see where it goes uh, in the future. Absolutely. So, Mark, as we come to the very end of our show, I wanted to ask you a question I usually ask a lot of our guests. Uh, I think it's, it's interesting to hear the different uh, answers that we get as, as a show, but also I think it's good for the listeners to hear all the different things um, in specific industries that help people start off quicker than others. So what makes somebody in your industry just start off like their hair's on fire and continue that way throughout their career? <laughs> I think to some extent, it kind of ties back to that, that last part that we were talking about in the previous question of just coming in with, honestly, like, yeah, humility. I don't know everything, but it's combining that humility with this, like, ferocious drive to achieve, right? It's, I got to have, I, I got to have it. I'm determined to have it. And so this, this combination of humility and determination, I think, uh, is really what drives most successful people and not just wealth management but in any industry that are young uh the second layer to that jackson that i would say is having the right mentors and the right people around you um i don't think that can be overstated enough um i think it gets lost in the shuffle today i think people are so distracted by their phones and social media and leaving the tv on at work or having five screens up that sometimes the most and information you could learn comes from sitting down in a room with someone with gray hair that's been doing it for decades and saying, just talk, 
I just want to hear, tell what's on your mind. Like, what would you do in the, or ask them, what would you do in this situation? Have you seen something like this before? Cause odds are they have, and probably many times over. And so I think, I really think, I really truly believe that having the right, you know, mentors and right people around you that are older um, and just really nurturing those relationships. And what's funny, Jackson, is it puts you so far ahead. Just having that ounce of humility to say, hey, I don't know. Can you explain this to me? Or, hey, I'm not sure what to do here. What would you do? What? By having that humility, it puts you so far ahead. To, to, to Having the humility to go and ask for that help puts you so far ahead of everybody else your age uh, because they're not doing it because it, it's weird or awkward or it's against their pride. It's just it's, why would you not want to skip, you know, tap into those years and years and years that those people have had of experience and uh, ups and downs and uh, I think that's super key to anyone coming in and having a hot start. Knowledge is power. You got to go after the knowledge and and we're not really trained classically, I guess, in, in asking questions anymore. It's not really something pushed in, in academia or in school. It's more of a, you know, learn this and, and get it back to me. Um, so I love the idea of asking questions. I think that's something that's going to help everyone be more successful in any industry. I'm glad to hear that it works in wealth management too. Mark, we really appreciate you joining the show today. We appreciate you waking up early for us and, and knocking out this episode. Uh, we look forward to having you back on sometime soon. Let's do it. Everybody check out the One and Done podcast. Jackson's the best. We'll talk soon, brother. Good to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Be sure to rate our podcast and leave a review. Also, make sure to check us out on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook at One and Done Podcast.